Hi, my name is uh, Mareide Wölver. I'm the uh, co-founder of Vitebo. And uh, yeah, what we do at Vitebo is that we use technology to make pet health care easy and intuitive for pet owners. And you can imagine that in the core of Vitebo we have something uh, like a digital medical record, which is the Vitebo app. And around that app we offer different products and services for pet owners. So we do this in a D2C model. And with those products, services and the app we make uh, taking care of your pet's health easy. This episode is brought to you by WHU, the Otto Beisheim School of Management. WHU is reshaping the way students learn about business, management, finance, and entrepreneurship through its innovative programs and partnerships in Germany and across the globe. To learn more about this globally ranked university, visit whu.edu today. Hey folks, Garrett here. In this second episode of season three of the Most Awesome Founder podcast, we introduce Morela Volver, Vehau alum and founder of Berlin-based animal healthcare company, Vetivo. Morela's entrepreneurial journey took her from her family farm in Mayan to studies at Vehau to the fast-paced world of being a venture-backed founder in Berlin. Today, Morela's startup, Vetivo, is growing at a rapid pace with over 50 employees, a seven-figure investment round, and thousands of customers across Germany using their innovative pet health tracking app and testing solutions. So for you folks out there who want to learn more about this incredible young entrepreneur's journey, the inspiration for launching a startup dedicated to animal health, and the challenges of adapting to ever-evolving founder roles, this episode is for you. Hope you enjoy it. Coming to you from WHU, on the banks of the Rhine River, in beautiful Fallendar, Germany. This is the best and most awesome founder podcast. A show about entrepreneurs, innovators, advisors, and educators, and the stories that make them who they are today. All right, Maria Lavover, thank you so much for having me in your lovely offices here in Berlin today. Yeah, thanks for being here. I was really looking forward to doing this episode because as someone who has had dogs my entire life, and lost one of the loves of my life just a couple years ago. Um, I'm always really interested in seeing how entrepreneurs are um, supporting those of us that love our pets in the world and, and disrupting that industry. So thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. I'm looking forward to our interview. Cool. Um, well, as a Vehau alum, it's always really nice to hear a little bit about your founder story. I think everybody kind of comes into entrepreneurship from different angles and from different places. Mm -hmm. So I'd kind of like to hear in your words, tell us your story of where you come from and the journey that brought you to Vitivo and where you are today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe um, I start with uh, where I come from and uh, how I grew up. So um, I grew up close to Falunda um, in the beautiful Eifel region on a farm. So uh, we have a lot of uh, agriculture and cattle at home. And um, I think this was one of the first touch points with entrepreneurship for me. So uh, everyone in my family was self-employed and uh, we are three kids at home. And uh, yeah, for sure, I also uh, love to take care of the animals. Um, working with the big machines, being on the field and stuff like this. But uh, what excited me even more was to really understand how is my father, father managing 
all this stuff, all the animals, all the machines, uh, all the partners and stuff like this. So there I noticed that I'm interested in yeah, managing uh, a company or a farm. And um, then after school, I thought about, okay, where would I like to study? And um, I finished school in March, so it's different uh, to the area where I come from. So I had some time to do internships. And uh, one internship was uh, in the mining industry. I did sales there. That was, was a good experience. It was okay. And the second internship was in a consultancy, also close to Falunda. And uh, my boss did his PhD at VAU. And he said, Mareile, you are the perfect match for VAU. Just have a look. So I had a look at VAU. And um, what I loved uh, at VAU is that I strongly believe in the magic of your environment and uh, so I applied there because I wanted to study with people who also have drive, who also are interested in founding companies and yeah, I applied and got accepted. I was pretty happy about this and um, then the, the third thing was that uh, the consultancy where I worked before VAU um, my boss asked me whether I would like to work for him also during my studies. So I did so and we did a lot of transactions of uh, multi-sized companies and uh, this yeah, even made me think more about entrepreneurship. Um, so yeah, I was at VAU doing this consultancy uh, stuff in between and then I had a course uh, with Professor Hinat and uh, there I worked on the first entrepreneurial idea I had and um, it already got to do with animal health care. And then Mr. Hinat said, hey Mareile, this sounds pretty good, just keep on working on it. So I kept on working on it and uh, after doing my bachelor um, I then moved to Berlin and started working on Vitevo with my co-founder Felix. He did his PhD at VAU and yeah, so this was how we came up with founding a company. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. I, I grew up a lot of my childhood in Texas so hmm. I was surrounded by a lot of kind of farm, rural working people and then my, my opa grew up in a farm in Hessen. So I spent my childhood on a farm in Germany and, you know, so often the next generation will become entrepreneurs, but they will take over the, the family farm. Mm -hmm. And um, there's such a big talk about succession in Germany, like who's mm -hmm. taking over the family business. Was there ever a thought that you were actually going to be in the, the farming world? Or did you know when you left, mm -hmm. when you left Mayan and you went off to Vehu that you were going off to to other places? Um, no, it was not clear all the time. So because I noticed that I have a passion for everything that happens out outside, uh, everything on the farm with the animals and stuff like this. But my father um, always encouraged us, we are three girls, um, to really do something where we can work with our heads and really invest into uh, education. And then after we finished our education, just yeah, go out into the world and see different things. Because when he was young, he uh, never wanted to be a farmer. Uh, he wanted to become an architect um, and uh, he didn't have the chance to do it. So he wanted to do it differently for his own children and uh, he did. And uh, yeah, today he's uh, super proud and uh, he's telling uh, all of us that uh, we should go our own way. And if we think it's the right thing to come back and do something on the farm, uh, it's up to us. He, he would be happy for sure, uh, but he would never force us to uh, yeah, work on the farm. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. So you talked about how you knew you wanted to do something in animal health relatively early mm -hmm. on. Can you tell us a little bit about how you came to the concept of Ativo? Maybe what the concept looked like? I mean, usually the initial idea, as you know, is very different than what the, 
when you kind of reach that product market fit. Um, how did the idea come up? Where did it and how did it evolve to what mm -hmm. it is now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we started with uh, health management for cattle um, because this was super close to what I have done on our farm, uh, doing the health management of all the cows. And um, so the, the first prototype that we have built was that you scan the ear tag of the animal and that you can also scan some kind of medication that you administer to the animal. And then everything goes into a database where you have to do um, uh, yeah, all the stuff and also goes to this lottery and to the veterinary. So this is how we started. And uh, by doing so, we talked a lot to veterinarians and um, all of them told us, why don't you do this for companion animals like uh, dogs, cats and horses? Because their customers even need more digitization. So what did I do? I was a pet owner myself. Uh, we always had horses and dogs, but I didn't understand the veterinary side. <laughs> so I did some uh, day internships uh, at veterinarians close to Falander. I think it was 12 or 13. And um, yeah, so I went to the practice. Uh, I baked some cake before, went there, and uh, just to get an impression on how it works. And then I've seen really that there's a yeah, much higher potential to work on pet health care. And uh, so we founded Vitevo with the focus on pet health care. Yeah, and uh, then we started <laughs> our first revenue. Uh, it was quite funny. Our first revenue was that I sold a consultation for a fish tank. And uh, Felix always said, hey, Maraila, when you manage to sell that uh, consultation, I will uh, kill a good bottle of wine. And uh, here I had to do so. So yeah, we started with connecting customers and veterinarians. And uh, yeah, this over time evolved to the uh, app that we have so far and uh, yeah, really becoming a platform for pet health care. Cool. So, you know, a lot of when we work with young founders, we always tell them to kind of focus on solving a problem. You know, mm -hmm. did you when you were going through all those different veterinarians, which is such a great approach. And I hope that sticks in everybody's head because yeah. so many young founders just want to sit in their rooms and model and financial model. And, you know, you got to get out there and you got to mm -hmm. connect with the customer. Right. So when you were out working with these veterinarians, did you identify like a couple pain points or inefficiencies that were really where you found the ripe opportunity there? What did you learn from those veterinarians? Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. It's super important to just go out and talk. Is it partners? Is it customers? Uh, we encourage everyone in the team to really do it. Um, also, uh, we have some weeks where everyone has to do customer care to talk to our customers and solve their problems. So what I learned there is that when you get inside a practice um, and see things from a different angle, like my um, BVL perspective, um, you view things differently and you see problems that others don't see. Um, so uh, yeah, what I learned a lot is the, the mismatch in expectations between what is the veterinary expecting from the customer and the customer from the veterinary. And I think this was the most important learning that we have seen that there's a gap on how customers would like to take care and how veterinarians think customers should take care.
Yeah, that's uh, one of the things about pet owners. It's almost like parents with babies, yeah. right? They're they're what I call the irrational consumer, right? Mm -hmm. Emotional, where yeah. people will spend lots and lots of money, will do almost anything for the well-being of their pets. Do you see the same kind of um, emotional response to what you do, that people are just so deeply connected with their pets that they're willing to keep investing in those mm -hmm. processes? Yeah. We, we see it a lot when we have a look at our uh, customer ratings. Um, so um, we uh, calculate the NPS on a weekly basis and uh, do a lot of surveys and talks to the customer. And where we perceive it the most is that when customers are super happy. So when we really help them to make taking care of their pets health easier and then they are so happy and also if you if you talk to the customers they uh, love to tell you about their pets and about how everything works so um, yeah and this is so motivating to really see that customers are happy and um, yeah we perceive that the animal is some kind of family member and uh, you would like to do everything so that the uh, dog cat or horse feels well because you can't look inside the head right so you, you just want to do it right and you just need, need some guidance uh, who tells you you are doing it right and who's rewarding you for, for doing the right things. Right, right. Well, we were kind of talking offline about the, uh, these bands that I'm wearing here and mm -hmm. the, this kind of quantified self, what they call the quantified self movement, where people are really mm -hmm. trying to take control of their own health by understanding mm -hmm. the data and, and really not just outsourcing it to medical people that tend to get involved only when there's a problem, but doing the kind of preventative stuff. Are you seeing that kind of trend in the pet care too? People want to really know, know the information and not just kind of trusting the veterinarian to tell them what to do? Yeah, yeah, we see this a lot. And we, how, how we frame it here is that we, or our job is to empower pet owners to do this self-care to really understand what's going on. And I think therefore the app is a super important part because there they can uh, track everything and see the lab results and connect all the data points that they have about the animals. So we, we help them to see those patterns and uh, to, to take care. So we perceive this a lot, yeah. So this can't replace the doctor for sure. But I think in, in many cases, it, it just helps. Gotcha. Yeah. So I, I've checked out what you do. Um, and probably if quite a few people listening, since you're a VHU alum, have as well. But could you just kind of walk the listeners through, you know, they're a potential new customer of Vitivo. Um, I ha they have a, a dog or a cat. And how would they interact and what's the service you provide? Just kind of walk through a high-level user experience. Mm -hmm. So we have different angles how you can get inside the Vitevo platform. I will just choose one. So for example, um, you, you get a puppy and uh, you have to do vaccinations for your puppy. Um, and uh, then you just download the Vitevo app and you create a digital pet profile for your puppy. Uh, let's name it Rocco. That's the name of the dog mm -hmm. of my parents. Uh, then you have Rocco's uh, digital medical record in there. You can track um, all the vaccinations and uh, then we will remind you when to do the next vaccination. And also um, we um, yeah, enable you to track symptoms of your dog. So um, for example, how the feces look like, it's super important for dog owners. I know it's, the topic is special, but uh, it is. Um, uh, whether he had some uh, yeah, problems uh, with food or some uh, that he started scratching or has problems with the eyes. And depending what kind of symptoms you are tracking, we can then tell you what kind of lab test, for example, or what kind of product would be the right one to relieve 
perceive those problems. And um, yeah, just imagine you say that your doc has some problems with his thesis, for example. Uh, we would recommend that you do some, yeah, one of the lab tests that we are offering. You can directly purchase it from the Vitivo app. And then you get this test kit, which you see here, um, to uh, yeah, uh, deliver to you. And then you can um, collect some samples. The samples go back to our own laboratory in Potsdam. There they are analyzed. And uh, then you can open the app again and see uh, the results of the analysis. If the test is positive, for example, we know that you have a, a Labrador, for example, the weight is 30 kilos, then we can calculate the dosage of the medication and also ship you the medication. So this is one customer journey, for example, that we solve. What are you guys learning? Um, this might be a little side topic, but as I've been seeing um, through my tracking devices, what they've been learning um, about human physiology during the time of COVID. Um, they've been, mm -hmm. been, been able to identify these things. I imagine you're able to look at data in a more aggregate way. Are you learning some insights that you're able to kind of even provide back to the healthcare people? And I mean, it's not so easy to get access to really rich animal data, right? Are you mm -hmm. learning stuff from that data as well? Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot. So this is also what we focus on. So um, the good thing about our business model is that we can really use technology to also um, yeah, make healthcare easier. And for that, I think looking into the data um, and analyzing them is, is key. So uh, that we can also see some patterns, um, for example, about weight. Yeah, You have a Labrador, which weighs 30 kilos, uh, to stick to the example before, uh, that we can set the weight in relation to uh, what are other Labradors uh, with that age and that shoulder height weighing. So I think there are yeah, totally new ways of how we can analyze data and by that help pet owners to, to see patterns and do the right things. So there's much potential in there. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. I want to go back to the, the founder business side of things a little bit because mm -hmm. I think it's, it's very interesting. Um, you know, you this is your first, this was really your first venture, yeah. right? Um, one of the patterns, one of the things that I've seen with a lot of successful first time founders um, is what some people call founder market fit. It, it's, you know, we talk a lot about product market fit. Are you mm -hmm. creating the right product that the market wants? But this notion of founder market fit is, is this a business that you are the right person to execute on. And so mm -hmm. often with VHO students, I say, hey, that's a really interesting idea, but are you the right person to execute on this? What do you know about that industry? Mm -hmm. What do you know about that stuff? Mm -hmm. um, did you feel like this was the, the sector you had to go in? Or was it just out of interest? Or was it you know, this kind of collection of life experience? Mm -hmm. And did you identify that as part of your journey and try to find more people that had that strong pet mm -hmm. connection as you grew? Mm -hmm. So I think what is special about my case or Felix in my case is that usually you have uh, many founders who just sit down, have a look at different markets and think about, okay, where, where can we solve problems? And it's totally fine to, to go that approach. But for us, it was a little bit different because the initial idea was generated from working on the farm of my parents. So that's why I think that I'm emotionally, emotionally totally yeah, connected to the business in a different way because it's not that super rational calculating something in Excel. It's just it evolved from where I come from, and this uh, yeah makes me feel a little bit more attached to what we are doing. And um, yeah, so I I'm super happy that it came like this because otherwise I don't think whether I would have even founded a company. 
that wouldn't have been the case. Interesting thing about founder market fit, and I've been in this situation before, which is, you know, at the beginning of building the company, I'm building something in my image, I'm solving a problem that I've personally experienced, mm -hmm. but over time the company grows and it evolves and there's kind of things that founders can do. They can either evolve with it. In some cases they say, hey, this is where I'm no longer as valuable. I should replace myself mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, there's some that ride the train all the way into growth and scale. I personally have learned that I'm an early stage guy. Mm -hmm. That's where I met my best. Um, some people are really good at scale up side of things. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit? You're now almost five years old as a company, is that right? Um, yes, three and a half. Three and a half yeah. years old, mm -hmm. okay. So you're almost four years old as a company. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of growth and change that happens in four years. How have you, how has your experience as an entrepreneur kind of changed as the company has evolved? Yeah. So uh, when I founded the company, I was 22 and I knew this is super young for being a founder. And uh, from that point of view, I also knew that I really have to learn th uh, something and have to develop myself to become a better leader. And um, I, I noticed that uh, the, the roles of you as a f the founder of a company really change by how many employees you have, by what kind of stage uh, you are in, or what kind of financing round you are doing. So um, I sat down with Felix and thought about, okay, how can we evolve to become better in that direction? And the first thing, which I also learned from Felix a lot, is reading. So uh, I think we not have to reinvent the wheel. Uh, there are so many other people who went through the... Yeah, yeah, similar situations before um, so it really helps me to to do uh, this reading stuff and then I joined something which is called an entrepreneur organization and there we are a lot working on uh, discovering blind spots so that means that I have some kind of strengths uh, which I do not perceive as my strengths and in that group we work a lot on yeah seeing what kind of strengths you have and what kind of weaknesses and I strongly believe that it's it's more powerful to really um, yeah, use your strengths to do more with it instead of working on your weaknesses and becoming a little bit better in your weaknesses. So um, this is one one thing I noticed, and um, yeah, it really helped me to yeah, yeah make those make the progress to becoming a better leader. And I think I'm still in. So I, I have so many situations still where uh, I'm struggling and where I uh, feel that I have to take a step back, start reading, get advice from others uh, to become better and uh, to also um, yeah, act in a way that I help my team to achieve better outcomes because this is what I should aim at. Yeah, that, I, that piece about, I love that, uh, that kind of lesson where so many people think, oh, I'm not very good at something, I better double down and practice that mm -hmm. rather than leveraging what they're naturally good at mm -hmm. and you know driving that to its greatest capability and I think you have to do a little bit of both but you have to yeah, also sure. be yeah. very aware of what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are and and yeah. put your attention to that which is interesting to me because you were 22 female mm -hmm. first time founder mm -hmm. not from a technology background yeah 
and learning about these soft skill side of things, like you just mentioned as well. When you think of those things, a lot of people would say, hmm, that's a, a risky bet. You know, mm -hmm. first time founders probably at the top top of the list, right? You haven't made all the mm -hmm. fuck ups yet <laughs> that you'll never forget. Now you've probably made enough of them that you'll never forget those. But um, of all those, you know, youth and inexperience and not the tech background and um, what were the big, the biggest challenges that you had to overcome? Which one of those do you think was the, the hardest thing to work on? And what would you pri mm -hmm. what would you tell people to prioritize? Mm -hmm. I think the, the biggest challenge is your own mindset. So um, the, there are so many things that could happen, but your mindset is, is the key thing because there are thoughts running through your head all the day. And I think it's, it's up to you that you actively decide what would I like to do with the thoughts that come to my head. And uh, I think our mindset quite often limits us in uh, how we perceive things and uh, what we yeah, do out of problems because Uh, I have the feeling that most people, when, when they face challenging situations, tend to see the risks first instead of uh, seeing the potential upside. Also, if the potential upside might have a much greater weight than the potential downside. And this is something that really holds you back. And so I worked a lot on this mindset situation. When things are, are hard, I tell myself that, uh, yeah, I can always do a job that's easier, but I actively chose to be a founder. So I also actively chose to handle all the problems that come with being a founder. And um, yeah, being aware that I actively chose doing this helps me. And uh, yeah. And when you kind of go through that process, are you... Um so I'll take it a step back. I grew up with three sisters. I grew up around pretty much only women. And um, I'm really analytical in my thinking. Like I have mm -hmm. to deconstruct everything to make decisions. And um, I would say my sisters at least are very intuitive in their decisions. I won't say they're not analytical, but they're definitely um, much more intuitive than I am and much more aware. Um, when you're dealing with these complex challenges as mm -hmm. a founder, would you consider yourself the more analytical type or the more intuitive type? How do you, how do you rectify some of those complex decisions? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm more the intuitive type as well. So I know this is, uh, when you talk about uh, men and women, uh, this is um, most of the time one of the biggest differences maybe. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it really helps me. So also together with Felix, uh, we are a pretty good match uh, in being a founder team because he's more on the super analytic side and I'm more on the intuitive side and this uh, works out pretty well so this is also why uh, what you have asked me when we had the phone call about uh, doing the podcast about whether I have any disadvantages of being a female founder that I didn't so I never perceived that there are any disadvantages because I also think that this also happens in your head. So uh, I strongly believe in the law of attraction um, or in self-fulfilling uh, prophecies. And if I think that female founders have disadvantages, I look for occasions who prove that's true. And I just don't look uh, for these occasions that prove uh, that I have a harder time compared to being a male founder. So that's also a mindset topic, right? Well, let's flip that on its head a little bit, because I think that's a really fascinating point. And You know, particularly right now in the times of Corona and COVID, you look around the world and you look at the company, the countries that have catastrophically failed at managing this pandemic. Mm -hmm. And then you look at the countries that have been relatively successful and almost the entirety of the tops of the list are countries that are run by women. 
I mean, you can really count yeah, down like the top eight or nine. It's almost all female-led countries. Mm -hmm. um, I'm interested. You talked about you're not looking for disadvantages as a woman. Mm -hmm. How about the advantages? Whether it's running a company, being a leader, are there aspects that you would say? Um, because I think you're also really a great, interesting case in that your co-founders, male and female, so you bring different perspectives, probably mm -hmm. different ways of thinking, just as being two different types of people, mm -hmm. um, gender irregardless. But um, how has being a female founder benefited you then? Um, yeah, so I would say um, I'm more, more the person who is uh, pretty uh, empathic uh, when it comes to uh, employees or also partners we are working with. Um, and this yeah, this helps me to understand, okay, what are other people expecting from us? How do they, how do they feel? And um, yeah, the other thing is that I, I'm just, uh, I would say it's some kind of people person. So I just love interactions. I don't know whether it's typical for, for women or whether women tend to be more people persons compared to men. Um, but uh, yeah, founding a company is so much about talking to different stakeholders, talking to investors. And uh, I just love doing this. And uh, I think it's, it helps you if you love doing what your job is, right? If you don't love the founder journey, you're not going to last very yeah. long because yeah. of all the jobs in the world, this one might kick your ass more than yeah. more than pretty much anything. So yeah. you have to have that love for sure. Um, I'm curious, you know, you're small town farm girl from the Eiffel. Yeah. Now you're then you went to Fallander, which is a, a, a small also step a small up there. Town. Yeah. And now you're in the middle of the madness of mm. Berlin. How was that? A, why Berlin? Um, mm -hmm. And two, how has that transition been for you? And are you happy with that choice? Mm -hmm. So maybe I start with uh, the question why Berlin? Um, after finishing uh, my bachelor, um, I talked to Felix where we found the company and we thought about uh, Munich, Cologne and Berlin. And uh, then we have been to Berlin for one week and um, talked to different founders. And uh, each day we have been to different offices. And then we flew back to uh, Fallendar and uh, we just said, OK, Berlin is the place to be for founding a company because you have um, yeah, all the other founders here, which really help you solve problems within an hour during lunch instead of you sitting uh, in a room and solving the problem for four weeks or something. And um, yeah, so we decided to go to Berlin. And as you have mentioned, uh, as a farm girl from a little village, uh, I was not so amused about moving to Berlin mm -hmm. because it's too much city uh, for me. Uh, I got used to it. And um, I also think that Berlin has super nice sites and uh, it was 100% the right decision to found the company here. Um, but to me personally, it was not the number one uh, choice. But uh, yeah, I uh, visit my family quite often. So that's totally fine. And uh, yeah. Well, you said something in there that um, hits home for me, which is, you know, when you had problems, you could just meet up with another founder mm -hmm. for lunch and solve something in an hour that might take you weeks. Yeah. 
Um, I'm a big advocate in the power of mentorship mm -hmm. and uh, guidance. You know, mm -hmm. I think every successful founder has had mentors that have showed them the shortcuts and allowed them to learn from their experiences mm -hmm. along the way. Um, have you? Would you say that Vehau provided some of those? Do you? Did you get some relationships out of your experience at that university that helped you build your your mm -hmm. journey here? Um, yeah, uh, I would think so. Um, and I think it's super important because as a founder, you have no one who tells you what to do. So you have no boss who tells you, okay, that was good, that was not, not good, try it that way. Um, so what we did a lot is that um, our first angel investor is also from VAU and um, he did a lot of uh, coaching for us, uh, which really helped. Then also the reading part. And uh, to me, most important was the entrepreneur organization um, to really exchange with entrepreneurs who are already three, five stages ahead, um, who um, yeah, mentor you and who also dig super deep um, to, to really um, yeah, find out uh, what is important to you, uh, what does success mean to you. And um, yeah, this, I can just recommend this. Cool. Mm -hmm. So where, is, where does Vitivo and where do you go from here? What is the what does the future have in store? Like, do you guys have a, a roadmap, or there? Um, do you see more disruption in the space? Can you kind of share your because you're so deep in this industry, you know it so mm -hmm. well now. Um, arguably, you're a, a global expert in, mm -hmm. in this aspect of this industry. What's the future for for digital healthcare for mm -hmm. pets? Mm -hmm. So I think technology is everything. So what we notice is, so today we are amongst the top three healthcare apps uh, around Germany. We have thousands of super happy customers. And I believe that the, the technology part, what we are solving with our app um, is the way to go. And it's also the future because it helps you to build a business model that is scalable. And it also helps you to serve customers all over the world because it's way easier to um, yeah, scale with technology than scaling with physical products. For sure, we also have physical products to solve the customers of the, uh, to solve the problems uh, that customers are tracking in the app. Um, but uh, technology makes it way easier. And I think technology is also the thing that really drives innovation in the market. Also, when we look backward uh, in uh, history, technology was always uh, that what um, yeah, uh, kicked off some, some new things. So this is what we are focusing on. And this is also what I believe um, what uh, makes healthcare uh, in the future. Is personalization the future with pets like it is with yeah. humans? Yeah. yeah, also, I think it's mostly the same. So we, we <laughs> super often observe that trends uh, from human medicine um, have some kind of time lag till they arrive in uh, pet healthcare. Is it the same for food, for example, for uh, bio and vegan and stuff like this? So it's, yeah, almost the same, but just some time lag in between. Cool. Yeah. All right. Um, I always like to wrap up every every episode with a couple personal questions. Mm -hmm. um, and the first one I, I think about all the time because when I visit someone in their home, one of the first things I do is I look at their bookshelf. I uh, think yeah. you can learn a lot about yeah. a person by what books they read. Um, mm -hmm. You talked about personal development and uh, the combination of mentorship and reading. Mm -hmm. Do you have a recommendation? Is there a book on your bedside table that uh, you'd like to recommend? Um, so currently there are three books that um, come to my mind first. The uh, first one is about uh, the, the making of a manager. Um, it um, helps you to 
find out what your job as a manager is and how you do it in the best way because you you have to multiply yourself over your team uh, so i really like this book on this then uh, currently uh, many people from us are reading hacking growth um, to yeah just find out okay what are the next levels of uh, uh, scaling and reaching more customers and uh, then also one book which might not be that well known it's called scaling up and it's divided in four different areas it's uh, people uh, case strategy and execution and uh, there are some super nice worksheets in there which you can use um, to um, yeah to to build a company to build a good organizational structure and there's also a lot about uh, working on core values um, which i like a lot and which also helps us a lot here in the team cool yeah. do, do you read for pleasure too or are you no no nope. <laughs> i can feel you i feel you i don't really either anymore but <laughs> no. so, so i um, yeah never liked reading a lot also when i was a child so i do not read for pleasure i yeah do just read those business books <laughs> in books or in audiobooks uh, both yeah. uh, but i um Yeah, so I prefer audiobooks um, because then I just listen to the audiobooks and uh, then in OneNote I just write down the keynotes and when reading books I also read them with a pencil and it really works with the books because otherwise, uh, uh, yeah, I can't uh, use those things to execute them here. Right, right. Yeah. All right, well, speaking of audio, that's my last question yeah. is... Um, You know, it's funny, I feel like I've said this so many times because I've interviewed so many awesome founders in Berlin, but here we are in maybe the arguably one of the music capitals in all of Europe, certainly in Germany. Um, mm -hmm. What's on your playlist? What are you going to recommend us to jam out to later? Oh, that's a hard question. Uh, <laughs> um, on my so in terms of songs or whatever i mean i listen to podcasts and uh, and things in the gym or when i'm driving but yeah. i got my jams too so yeah. whatever you want to share okay so so currently i'm just uh, when i'm listening to something i'm listening to hacking cross actually <laughs> so the the audiobook um yeah but because in terms of music it's super random what i listen to um there's one song it's called uh, <laughs> Erfolg ist kein Glück. <laughs> It's, um, I don't know whether you know it, but uh, I think that the text is uh, quite good. The style of the song might be a little bit uh, weird, but yeah. <laughs> no special like folk music from the Eiffel or anything? No, <laughs> no, actually not. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Ray mm -hmm. Lavover, thank you so much for having me. It's so cool to see what you guys are building, have been building and will be doing in the future. And. Mm -hmm. uh, I think you are an inspiration to many of the young founders coming out of AU. So thank you for having me. Thanks a lot. Well, folks, that was Mirela Volver, founder of digital pet healthcare company Vitivo. To learn more about Mirela's work, go to vetevo.de. Next up, we'll be introducing you to Leah Grunaga, VHU alum, co-founder of fertility care startup Avery. We'll be discussing her journey from VHU to the fashion industry, from helping to lead the high-growth startup Amora Lee to founding her own venture. Until then, be sure to check out our website at mostawesomepodcast.com, follow our channel on YouTube, and subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast streaming service. Bis nächstes Mal!